The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Mick Lavelle was my special guest, taking your calls on everything from jasmines, honeysuckle and lavender, all very smelly things. Well, in the sweetest way, of course. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Jean in St Lawrence. Hello, Jean. Good morning. <laughs> um, we had well, uh, an amaryllis given to us at Christmas, which it was the bulb when I planted it, and yes, it's been absolutely beautiful. It's had three stems and four blooms on each stem. That's now, good. they have mm-hmm. died off, and I've cut them off. Now, when I've read, it says um, to cut the stems down to about two inches from the top of the bulb. Yeah, just the, just the flower scape, just the, uh, the stem where I had the flower on it. Don't cut anything else back, but you can yeah, cut those I back. I haven't got any leaves on it. Yeah, well, they'll come. What, the, the, what, what happens is that the, uh, the flower comes, you can cut yeah. that back, and then the leaves will come. When the leaves come, start feeding it. Right. And then there's no the, sign of leaves at all. And well, thought, oh. make sure keep keep watering it because the, the the flower sometimes they come at the same time. It just depends really on the number. But naturally, with them, um, all these amaryllis. It, you say amaryllis, you mean like the big sort of um, sort of uh, ones that they call hippiastrums. They were really big um, big flowers, flowers yeah? on them. Yes, they've got yeah, big okay. trumpet-like flowers. That's the one. Yeah. Well, well, they they generally tend to throw up a flower first and then leaves. The leaves are really important because they're going to feed your bulb. If you want to get flowers off it again next year, yeah. okay. So when it comes up, water it, you know, appropriately. I mean, remember this time of the year, it doesn't need as much water as it will need the next it, it, two to three months. It, it, it's in the conservatory and it's that, been lovely. And I just yeah, yeah. soil just moist. Yeah, well, well, see, just just do that. But just as soon as the leaves come up, start to feed it just with a normal plant food. I mean, start off with half strength and build up to normal strength. Um, But then the leaves will die down during the summer. Let them die down, and then just do the same cycle with it again next winter as you did this winter, and it'll flower again. Do I leave the bulb in the pot? You can oh, yeah, usually, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you can take them out, but it's not necessary. You can leave it in there for two or three years. And then repot yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Okay. But what, shall I keep it in the conservatory where it's been? Put it, put well, it once it, once it uh, gets to mild, by about end of May, stick it outside in a sort of uh, semi-shaded bit of the garden. Um, right. Just let it, uh, sort of, don't let it too wet, and then bring it in, dry it out a bit by September, and then start it all into growth again. Right, because okay. before when I've had them, they've had leaves, but I thought there's no sign of them. This will get leaves. If it doesn't get leaves, that's the last flower you'll get off it. Sometimes they do hang on in the leaves right through, don't they? I mean, yeah, 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 not always. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, enjoy your amaryllis, look after it through the summer, and we'll, we'll tell you how to get it back into growth a bit later on in the season. Let's go to John in Waltham Abbey. He's given us a ring on 0800 111 John! Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Talking about plants doing things they probably shouldn't be doing this time of year. We One do, of my yeah. neighbours has got um, a pelargonium in a, about a 15-inch square pot, and that has been flowering right through the winter. Yeah, they, they, they will some years. I mean, 
if you can keep it sheltered from a bit of frost, sometimes just an overhang of a building or some overhanging mm. trees, because the sorts of frost we've had this week are what we call radiation frost, which just means a clear sky, all the heat disappears off and it gets cold near the ground. So we get fog, so you get a temperature inversion because the atmosphere is a bit warmer than the ground gets. Yeah, so if it's nicely sheltered. If, if it's sheltered, yeah, yeah. Then you don't get those sorts of frosts affecting it, so it hasn't been that cold. And the pelagonia comes from South Africa, so the right. genetics are reasonably robust, you know. And um, yeah, it can sometimes do. I've, I've, I mean, I wouldn't want to say it's unique for them to flower all through the winter. I mean, uh, I've had um, fuchsias in the garden, the fuchsia, um, uh, the triangular, was it fuchsia, fuchsia? Oh, I can't think of it now with the. Um, Dark leaves. But that's, that's flowering still in my uh, my garden. I've got um, cannas, which are um, uh, a, a flower, not flowering, but still got leaves on them above the ground. It's been quite a mild winter, despite what anyone yeah, tells I've you. I've known pelagonium survive outside through several winters, but I've never seen one actually flowering like but, that. I, mean, but yeah. I, I have, but it is unusual. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it shows you just how unusually mild it's been. It's yeah, a, haven't had much fuchsia thali is the fuchsia I couldn't think of. And, still and, and what do these gardeners <laughs> say? You know, it's been a funny old year. Yeah, <laughs> well, and in well, fact, <laughs> you've got it. Yes, you see, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't appear this year. You see, obviously, did they? <laughs> John, thank you very much yeah. for your call on that. It is fascinating to think how much. Um, how many plants are actually flowering, budding early? I mean, mm, yeah. I mean, stuff were you know last month you could see tree buds actually just just moving, couldn't you? Well, quite yeah. I mean, you, you'll know yourself, Cam, uh, when you look over a, a stand of trees. There's mm. something about them this time of the year. They suddenly become really full of life, like the saps rising, yep. you know, and it's all queuing up, ready to get out and burst, sally forth is, from the it? buds and grow. And um, well, that's been happening now since I'd say mid mid to late January. So we would expect to start to see it towards the end of this month. So everything's kind of ready to go at the moment. You know? It is indeed. Uh, we're talking honeysuckle with Anne in Bowers Gifford, aren't we, Anne? Yes, good morning, Ken. Um, I've got two honeysuckles, and unfortunately, they've got all the growth on the top, nothing of the sides. Can I cut them down, and how it's, hard? Do you know, I always think honeysuckles are a bit of a nightmare for yeah. that. I think you've just described what everybody seems to end up with with the honeysuckle. Yep. Um, you know, they grow at yeah. the top, they smother the top of the fence, and they won't actually grow it's, down below. Ironically, it's the nature of the plant. <laughs> it, it's a woodland plant which grows up, growing into trees. Grows up, grows up into trees or tall yep. shrubs, and then takes yeah. over once it gets to the top. So it's doing, it, but but it's really adapted to do what what nature intended it to do. Something, but unfortunately, despite the fact these Belgica types, uh, uh, they say, or they flower all the way up. We do when they start to grow, and then as Ken says, they all then suddenly get this hairy bunch at the top, so, which is all the flower. What would you do, yeah. Mick? I mean, I'd, I I'd mean, just I, cut it I back. Would, I'd cut it back, yeah. I mean, um, you can be quite ruthless on them. Um, what you don't want to do is cut them right back down to the ground, though. Uh, try and leave a framework of branches on the um, support because yeah. you obviously you want them, you want it to stay on the support itself. But cut it back quite hard and take it back to you know a few reasonably robust stems. You know, it'll look a bit sad this spring and you'll feel sorry for it. Give it two years, you'll be thinking, well, flowers at the top again. You know, it, it will recover. Let's now look at plant of the week, Berberus aquifolium or Oregon grape. It's actually natural to North America. That's where it all came from. It's an evergreen, about two foot tall, but it can spread up to about three foot. It's got lovely, well, I suppose they're holly-like, but they're pinnet, spiky, spiny, not spiky, spiny leaves. Great as we go towards spring because you get these clusters of bright yellow flowers and they really are very impressive indeed. 
The stems are sort of corky and they actually have quite an interesting sort of bark, but not grown for that at all. And then it produces a lovely bluey purple berry, which are very, very popular with birds. So it'll encourage birds into your garden. Great for shaded areas. And as our weather is turning very droughty, Yes, dry, dry summers. These put up with incredibly dry summers. They put up with stony, poor soil, rough bits of rockery. In fact, you can put them in your worst bits of your garden. So they are. In fact, it's a very useful plant for difficult areas. Berberus aquifolia, plant it in the shade, plant it under shrubs, plant it under conifers. Come on, get out there. Berberus aquifolia and it'll be flowering soon. (laughs) <laughs> right, now I'm going to repeat what you said. You've got a rose and it's growing in a container. Is that right? Well, I've, I've got about six or eight roses in containers. Brilliant. And what mm-hmm. what I normally do is just scrape the top off and put some new compost on. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, they've been in there three, four years, perhaps even longer. Would it pay me to repot them completely? How big, how big a pot are, are these roses in? Because that's what it really depends mm. on. Yes, they're in big pots. What, sort of 18 inches across, 30 yes, centimetres, uh, something like that? probably the square ones are. The round ones, probably 12 inches. 12's yeah. a bit small, isn't it? Yeah, probably, yeah, so like your round ones. I mean, um, I, do you know what? My, my, my sort of, I've put the sort of design angle on things for this. I would say that um, possibly you've got square pots and round pots. Yeah. Um, uniformity in the garden. Well, get, get some, some bigger, get square, some bigger square pots. The same type that you've got the other ones in. Um, not only yeah. will your um, garden thematically look a bit more uh, joined up, <laughs> but you'll actually have the right size pots for all of them. 18-inch pots should be enough for a, a rose, unless it was some um, if it was something like Rosa Kifsgate or some giant growing rose, you know, it, would, it wouldn't yeah. be big enough. But generally speaking, for most uh, bush roses and uh, shrub roses, you should be OK. Are they bush or are they patio roses? What are they? Uh, no, they are bush roses. If yeah, they're bush roses, just, fine, just, yeah, just yeah. change that those 12s to... I've got a... some lovely compost, so if I... Um, just scrape out the top like I normally do and put the fresh compost on. There's so nothing when, wrong with doing yeah, that at all. When you say compost, you mean your own garden compost? Or yes, some, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's good. I was going to say, do that rather than just putting another proprietary mix in because the limited amount of good that you can do by sort of putting that on top of it. But your own garden compost is excellent. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your help, then. But if you get a chance, pot them up and put some uh, Johninnies in them as well. And we're staying on bush roses, aren't we? Don't forget that number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one eight one triple three. Start your message with the word Essex. That's the text. Go to David in Battlesbridge. Hello, David. On Kane, would you prune your roses now hard as they're all beginning to shoot? Right, well, we all differ. Well, we all differ a bit on this usually, but um, I think what would you do, Mick? Actually, no. out of interest, and then I'll say what I would do. Let me say uh, my mission with horticultural courses nationwide. If I was saying this in Scotland, it would be wait till March. Here in the southeast, you can probably get away with it towards uh, end of normally, February. I normally say third week of February. It's a bit arbitrary because if, it, if it's frozen solid, no, don't do it. You know, but it just you look at the weather. Really, it's all to do with whether the rose is going to start growing or not. If you they are growing yeah. well already, aren't yeah. they? If you leave it too late, you're robbing them of a lot of growth they've made and have to then start it again. If you do it too early and cut them back hard, those buds at the base, the sort of three buds and the nice outward-facing bud that you've carefully selected uh, for, for your, um, for your, to make the shape of your plant, 
if they start to grow early and when we get a late frost, you, you suddenly uh, you haven't got enough growth on the uh, plant for the year. And this is the, the trick, really. And it, I know I'm making it sound like it's complicated, but it's just a case of looking out for the weather. Have a look at the long-term weather forecast. But I think even down here, you could probably leave it till the end of the month before you really take them back hard. If you want to avoid doing that, the other way to do it is take them back to about six buds so that you've done, you've tidied them up, you've got a lot to do, but then you go over them again to three buds around about the beginning of March. That's the sort of safety uh, way of doing it. But uh, yeah, I would well, say... Six buds now. Yeah, well, so I mean, if you're going to take them back harder, it's about three buds on each um, each break, and I would leave it yeah. till um, maybe, maybe about uh, end of next week, week out. It won't really hurt them to um, mm. to sort of have a couple more weeks. You can do them now, but you have to be pretty sure it's going to be mild. By no, March, you'll be fine. I'm end of February, beginning of March, yeah. and then give them a good feed. Yeah. Well, that, and that's you... when I usually do it, but I was worried about, like, because I get long shoots on them now. Mm. I know some are, and in fact, yeah. we had a question last week, uh, which was another interesting one, which is linked to what you're saying, is that they had black spot last year. Mm. Should they spray now? And well, it's the same thing, that if that bud is starting to open into a leaf, mm. the answer is yes, you yeah. have to spray yeah. it now if you were suffering last year. So yeah. it, it's a balancing act, and mm. plants haven't got diaries or... Or clocks, so they don't know what's going on. Well, other than reacting. It's, it's all about the length of the day and the temperature. Yeah. As soon as they get the right mix, they're off. The other thing right. you've got to remember: a lot of roses that, that we think of as being very British, most of them evolve in Asiatic um, rose genes, so they come from different environments. So the way they react to the British climate isn't the way that maybe some of that, you know, the native dog rose and things are. They'll appear pretty much the same week uh, the flowers on them most years, whereas yeah. other roses will uh, will appear differently. So. And another one, Ken, I've got a evergreen clematis what has a white bell flower on. Yep. Whisley well, cream, like, it'd be a... Whisley cream or... Uh, apple yeah. or... Uh, apple something. something yep. Yeah, yeah. Whisley cream, I think. Yep. Uh, this is the second year I've had all leaf and very few flowers. Ah. Is it, is it getting plenty of sunshine on the um, the growth? Clematis need to need yeah. to grow from the shade into the light. That's one of the, the only thing. If you can do that, you you should usually get flowers from them. Yeah, that gives, gives sunshine all day. Yeah. <laughs> when, have you pr- have Am you? Am I doing wrong? I cut all the uh, the strangly bits off during the year because that just keeps making and making. How, hang on. How late did you cut those straggly bits off in the season? Was it midsummer or late summer? Well, it's been late summer. Mm, might be that you just um, you've cut, you've cut all the, um, the flower buds off. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like an awful thing to say. Might, I think might, that yeah, could yeah. be. I think you've got to prune it uh, prune it earlier on. If yeah. it's, it's, as soon as it's finished, I prune those in the spring. Mm. Yeah. I cut them quite hard. I cut them quite hard with even a pair of shears. Cut all the front off of them, mm-hmm. let them regrow, and then they flower. Well, that's how I do it, because it's growing up to a petal shawl. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I think you're doing it right, but perhaps you're doing it too late. Right. Thank you very much. That's all right, David. David's from Battlesbridge. Give us a call now. There's a line free on 0800 4041. That's the number to call. Um, a text. Don't forget, text 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. I've just... This is from Jane. I have just shredded my many raspberry canes and wonder what is the best way to use the chippings in the garden. Raspberry canes chipped. 
anywhere apart from back on the raspberries because it was any yeah. disease. I mean, it's just as a rule virus, of thumb. You don't know, yeah, do you? Yeah, as a rule of thumb, it's always as well not to use to compost the material from one plant onto another. I mean, leaves are a bit of an exception. They are usually best left under the tree if you can, you know. But I mean. Uh, yeah, if, if you're shredding things, composting things, it's sometimes a bit difficult because it gets all mixed up. But if wood chips and chippings and shreddings, which are fresh, um, the best place to put them would be on a sort of path or something, somewhere if, a bits where you want to walk into a shrub bed or something like that. Because the, the, if you really want to know what to do with them, pile them up and compost them for a year because then they'll be um, better soil conditioners than if you put them on fresh. So that would be my sort of... Uh, my take on it. Not knowing the garden, it's very difficult to say absolutely. It so. is indeed. Let's now go to Eve in Harlow, and Eve's talking about rubber plants. Now, is the rubber plant, Eve, with the large leaf, or is it the a small leaf one? Uh, it's quite a large leaf. Yeah, it's a big, so big, a big oval leaf, yeah, yeah. What, we, what used to be called ficus elastica. Um, interesting, it's not actually the rubber tree, which is a Via Brasiliensis, uh, but the, um, it often gets, you know, people think, oh, it's, you know, I've, I cut it and some rubber came out, but there's a latex comes out of it. It's a fig, which is, uh, don't get it in your eyes or anything, but yeah. Um, well, the thing is, um, off the main branch of stem, yep. there's two branches coming out, and both mm-hmm. of them have got... Uh, 16 leaves on. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? Can I um, air lay them or? Yeah, yes, yeah, they do but, well air layering, don't but they? But yeah, ficus um, elastica. One of the things I'd recommend is if you want to, if you've got tall plants with like often they tend to be crowded leaves at the end with a long stem air layer those once you've got some roots in it's really easy to do air layering of course I'm sure you know how to do it but I mean you just uh, you can. Some people say ring bark. I tend to undercut into the uh, the bark on the lower side and I pack some just sphagnum moss around it and then you can seal it with silver paper um, or um, there's some cling film or something like that. Or as my, my uh, students were saying recently, you can use one of those um, sandwich wraps, you know, the sorts of the beeswax yeah. ones or something they like that. They work quite well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit of air in as well. And um, so. There a, gone? Is there anything else that I can use apart from moss? Because uh, I can't get it. You probably could use something like um, five, or, or something like rock wool. Um, you know, the sort of, if you could yes. get hold of a bit of the rock wool that you use for insulation, because that's often used as a, a sterile growing medium. It's, it's not the same. The one you use for insulation isn't the same, but do you know, I mean, you could try it. You it, it suddenly thrown me there. Cause I thought, well, there probably is, but I wasn't expecting it to ask me. <laughs> so that's the first thing that springs to mind, something like If you've got wool. a lawn, go out and pull a yeah. bit of moss out the lawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, um, of course, the other thing is, you know, you, get, you sometimes get um, coir fibre mats and things like that for, for hanging baskets. You could always use that sort of material. If you've got one, an old one of those oh, or something like that. Good. But it's anything, really, what you want is something which is fibrous that will hold moisture uh, but will allow a bit of air around when the roots start to develop because we can't just grow into a wet mass. That's why moss is no. usually very... We usually use moss, it's sterile. So as long as you get something else which is sterile, that's fine. But oh, I mean, what I was going to say as well, once you've got those to root, you can pot those up and then the, the, what you've got left in the pot, you can prune that back to uh, little more than a stump, OK? Uh, just if you can see any old buds, so if you've got the old branches, cut them back just short of the main stem Okay, and uh-huh. then um, water it and feed it, and it should start to grow some new shoots on there. Epicormic growths from there, and you, you've got then your old plant back and some new ones to boot. Yeah, certainly does grow. They um, do, yeah. Well, thank you very much for help. They, they, they will grow about 150 feet tall if you allow them to. So don't let them grow that tall. No, they <laughs> up to the ceiling and bend around and round and round. Let's go to Graham from Braintree. That number to call is line free: oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. 
Graham. Yes, good morning to you all. Hi. I, I phoned up about three, four weeks ago about my wallflowers in the garden. Oh, yes, yep. They, they had shrunk. They That's had. right. They were yes. only half the size of when I put them in. And I yep. put them in pot, I dug them up, put them in pots, half outside, half inside. Yes. But they shriveled up more, they did, and all the leaves and what little tiny flowers happened to be on them, they just went sort of prickly like a little tiny cactus they did. I think Christine mm. was on, actually, mm. when, when we discussed this, yeah, because we were like, wondering whether it was club, club you know, root. I was just going to say, I thought it sounds like it club It sounds root. like club root to it's, us. It's a problem you get with... Um, did you buy them as bare root plants? Yes. Yeah, the field grown, yeah. It's most likely going to be that they've got club root. Club root is something which affects brassicas. So if you've got That's anyone right. who's um, got an allotment might be, who doesn't grow wallflowers, might be thinking, what, club root? No, cabbages get that. But the yeah. wallflower is in the same family. It's in the brassicaceae. And it's it, um, it's a classic one for um, uh, for, for getting club root. Because they grow them as a field crop, the bare root ones, and, um, and they um, just lift them, put them in bundles, elastic, old famous agricultural blue elastic band around them and you buy them and sometimes they've got the um the club root on them unfortunately on the ground so yeah that's no, what it, it sounds it, like yeah uh, sorry i i got mixed up there yeah they were in pots when i bought them they were all right they oh, were in that case and they were doing well and then all of a sudden they didn't and they shrunk never had the problem before you no. know not with flowers or me vegetables i haven't but I thought I'd just let you know what was happening. Have, have you? The only other thing because it could be vine weevil. Yeah. Which have got a pot. I see only the thing. But, but, but no, like you, you had them in the ground first, though, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, they were and grown you, well. And do you always put them in that same plot? Uh, yes, they do, but not in the exact same space. They're spaced oh. out. They yeah, are. but we're oh. in the same bit of ground. Same bit of ground. Uh, it could be. It could be. We could be back to club root then. <laughs> See, if it's in the same bit of ground, I think it could be club root. I can't think what else would do it to them. It's a very common problem with um, anything in the Brassicaceae. And what, what, um, Graham, you're describing is they grew to start with, which they would, and then the root is affected and it deteriorates. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So I think you'll have to give up growing them in that area for a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, me pansies are doing well. Well, they're another, they're another thing that you have to um, move around the garden. If you're doing bedding, uh, the problem, problem is with them, um, pansies get something called pansy sickness, which is just a build-up of um, things which affect pansies. So if you grow them in the same area two or three years running, they start to look poor. They don't grow very well. Yeah. Brassicas, including wallflowers, are susceptible to club root. Now, you can reduce any damage of that by, as Ken says, have at least um, two seasons in between each time. You, so, so you put them in, leave it two seasons, put them in again. So it's really a case of starting to explore that wonderful world of winter bedding and think about some different things to put in. So you can have the wallflowers or put them wallflowers in different beds over three years around the garden so they're completely separate from each other. And that way you cut down these problems. But, uh, yeah, because I, I was thinking this year I put my vegetables where the flowers are and uh, the other bit for the flowers. Don't put your cabbages there, but though. No, no cabbages or <laughs> no, broccoli like cabbages. or sprouts. Yeah. All right? No. 
No. Okay, thank you very much. No problem. Pleasure, Graham. I think that's what he's got, and it's funny because Mm. I think Christine, it was Christine, and Christine said the same. We discussed it and said, I think it is. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, mean, most, most, as you know yourself, but most gardeners are well aware of this, you know, but um, uh, professionally. But I mean, sometimes it escapes uh, amateurs because they won't associate them with being with a cabbage uh, family. Back to gardening questions in just a little while, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Mick, what's your first one then? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of controversy over whether you should do this or not, but dividing (laughs) snowdrops in the green, it seems that one year it's in, one year it's out. Um, A lot of things like snowdrops are actually easier to re-establish if you lift them now. Once they finish flowering, don't lift them when they're flowering, of course, because they're still doing a job. You've got to wait till they finish. Yeah, but I mean, they've got maybe a couple of weeks left, unless they Mm. started early. As soon as those flowers start to fade... Before the foliage dies down, lift them, divide them, and uh, you can replant them where you want them now, or you can heal them in, uh, is another thing. But they, they're, uh, better it, planted, they're better to be planted really. now, yes, yeah, so, but you can see what depth they need to be. Um, you can do this with other things as well, even things like some of the anemones, the early anemones and things like that, which are, are often quite difficult to start if you buy the, um, the tubers uh, this time of the year or a bit later in the year. They, if you get them when they're nice and soft and growing, they do work well. The other thing is, you can see where they are. You try lifting uh, anemones because it looks like a little bit of um, little bit b- of b- brown wood. Brown, brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so so it's a good uh, thing to do. If you if you're looking at them this year and thinking, oh, I wish I had a few of those in another part of the garden. You know, once they finish, get out there and uh, just lift them, divide them, stick them where you need them. And equally, if you're going to your garden centre, it's a good time to buy them rather than in the dry. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, as a, yeah. As a contractor years ago, I must have planted so many snowdrops, dry snowdrops, yeah. and nothing. Well, very few. Yeah, you'd, they, 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 are you lucky if one in uh, two or you know, maybe yeah. one or two in uh, uh, two or half three. a dozen or something come yeah. up, you know. So they, yeah. they, sometimes they throw up a leaf, but it's just getting them perfect in the ground. They get a bit too dry. Good They're not supposed to be out the ground, though, let's face no. it. So. But don't nick them from the sides of the roads or the woodlands because they are a protected plant. Yes, indeed. Yes. And then the next one, if, you look, if you're looking at flowers, if you're thinking flowers and where you want flowers, you can plan out what's going to happen in the summer. Sweet peas. Are, oh, uh, yes. Still, still a favourite of mine. And um, I think it's a good time of the year now to be thinking about getting some early sweet peas. If you've got a glass house, if you've got a frame, if, you if you've got a cloche, a bell jar, it doesn't matter. Get some sown now and you'll get early flower from them. You'll get it about um, four to six weeks, maybe even before the rest of it. So get them growing nice and early so they've got the roots down to the ground. What do you like to plant? Is that direct sh- sowing? I like or to do them, do not do normally them in a... long toms in a glass house yeah. if I can, um, because they like a nice, um, I say long toms, a long thin pot, so because they, they like to have... Um, uh, a deep root system. Can put them in toilet ro- toilet set rolls. Yeah, centers, I mean anything you? which is like yeah, I mean, they're not going there very isn't long, isn't it? Yeah, just no. they, they've got to be they've got to be able to get the roots down deep straight away. They don't like the roots curling around at the bottom nope. of a short pot. Uh, if you can put them in the ground straight away, ideal because uh, that, that's good. As soon as they grow, once you, you know the tip here, which is probably a tip for March, but I'll give it in February anyways. Um, once you've got them in the ground and they're growing, stick another seed next to them of the same variety. That will extend the flowering season. You can probably, I mean, I'll say do one. You can probably do one in about four weeks after that, stick another one next to it, and it extends the flowering season. Make sure you get the uh, the same varieties, or it'll look a right old dog's dinner. But, um, yeah, that's, that's my tips for sweet peas. Get them in early. Thank you, Mick. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Uh, Mick, you're doing a bit of a, bit of a lecture, aren't you? 
Yeah, um, and it's all about your little trip, your little trip. Well, no, it's not. It, it runs off the back of a trip I recently did. I was uh, I was invited out by the Botanical Society of Bermuda, myself and another colleague. We went out there and we were um, giving um, some lectures to the uh, society, the zoological society out there, and um, the. One of the lectures I was given was, was something I'm also giving a lecture on here in a couple of weeks about climate change and garden plants. And it's really about the way that the climate's going to affect the way that we grow plants. And when I was talking to the Bermudians, I talked about some different plants, of course, because it's a bit more But it's uh, the same principle there. wherever is, we are yeah, in the world, isn't it? We, we're going to face the same challenges. Climate change is a reality, and it, you can deny it. Well, that's, an idiot would deny it, you know, but it, it's happening. No, it doesn't really matter who's to blame for it in the sense of a no. horticulturist. We've, we, I have to think, well, what are we going to grow? Because we're going to have to carry on growing plants in gardens. And so that's my take on it. It's not to sort of uh, say about You're not a change. doom and gloom. We're looking at... Uh, well, well, there's I a bit of doom and gloom in there, is there? It's doom and gloom if you want to carry on growing all the same things, I think, and, do, and yes. carry on business as normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to, we, we're going to have to adapt, adapt. to climate change. Yeah. It's a reality. So that's, already, that's what it's about. And in really. fact, we've been discussing that already yeah. today because yeah. people have been ringing and saying they're growing Pelagonians yeah. are in full flower. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're already aware of that. Indeed. So yeah. when is this lecture then? Right. I was just going to say it's, uh, um, it's at Ritley University College. Um, if you go to the Essex Gardens Trust um, website, uh, the, the details of it are on there. You get the tickets through Eventbrite, but they'll have a clickable link where you can um, get the tickets from. I think it's £10 if you're not a member of the Essex Garden Trust. Very reasonable. I think so, yes. yes certainly. To hear you. Is it just you or is it anyone <laughs> now, else? On this occasion, yeah, it's just me. I'll, I'll, obviously, there'll be the sort of preliminary bits and uh, business and things that I've got to meet in there. But, um, yes, it is, uh, it's just uh, I am the... Uh, the, the alleged star attraction. Of How it. can people get the, get them tickets? Just let nine the, people. Yeah, if you go to the Essex Gardens Trust, go to their website. So just put in the browser, Google, whatever else. Uh, Essex Gardens Trust. Their website's there. They'll have details of events coming up, and then there's a link on there which will take you through to where you can buy tickets. You buy them online through a company called Eventbrite. Yep. No problem at all. We're back to the phones. 0800 4041. That's the number to call if you'd like to give us a call. That is 0800 4041. And we're going to Graham in Bishop Stortford, aren't we, Graham? Yes. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Mick. Good morning. Um, what I'd like to do this year is to grow uh, summer jasmine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I've got a shed that I can grow it up. Um, I shall have to do it in a, in a, in a tub because mm-hmm. of where the shed is. Um, I just like to have advice on when, when I should buy and plant. Um, you, it depends if you've got somewhere you can keep it out of the frost. Now you could buy it now. That's not yeah. the issue. But, uh, but if if you get hold of a plant, you can buy it now. You got obviously it's tender, so you'd have to keep it uh, out of the way of any frost. I mean, you probably it's a bit more robust than people think. Summer jasmine. It's actually um, it, it it will take quite a lot of cold, but it won't take it yeah. straight away. So you put it out around about uh, end of April, maybe once you know that it's growing nicely and the uh, the chance of frost has um, has passed. Yeah. Um, and then it's just if you put it into a pot, put it into a reasonably large pot. Yeah. Like most climbers, it likes to have um, feet in the shade, head in the sun. So That's think, right. You know, yeah. so, so get the pot on a shady side of the shed, train it up over it so it gets on full sun in the daytime, if you want that, and then uh, yeah. feed yeah. it. Just feed it. First off, feed it with a nitrogen-rich fertiliser to get it to grow. Uh, run about uh, as, as it starts to come towards midsummer, turn over to something like like a tomato food, it doesn't matter, but high potassium food, uh, which you can uh, intersperse with a more general purpose fertiliser. Any one of these that claims to make your plant grow twice as big or whatever else it claims to <laughs> Just a general purpose yeah, liquid yeah. feed. And um, 
Uh, the other thing you can do is you, in your potting compost as well, if you, if you get some compost, you're putting it into there, uh, get it something like a John Innes because there's always a chance, you know, you, you just keep this thing going for a few years and put some John Innes in there and mix in some um, of, of some of the uh, resin-coated fertiliser. Uh, yeah. they, they, they usually all will end up with the, the name coat on the end. <laughs> so there's a few varieties right. available. And um, you can mix that in, a handful of that into an 18-inch uh, pot compost, and that will also give it a little bit of a uh, boost when it needs it, because they're temperature-released. It'll only help it in the first year, but it will give it a good um, good boost. That's, that'll be my tip for it. Yeah, lovely. That's lovely. So, okay, so, great. so basically, I've got to keep it out, out, out of the frost. Uh, for now, oh, yes. yeah, if you buy yes, a plant now, now so, so you can really get into good growth. I mean, like I say, they are a bit hardier than people think mm. they are. Sort of but they're not so, totally hardy. No, but you, if you put it out now and it's been grown in... If you, it'll get be in the, indo- in the indoor bit of a garden centre, usually the, uh, the yeah. old multi-span polytunnel or, or uh, conservatory they've mm. got there. Mm. Um, so you'll have to keep it in something similar. But the thing is now, if you go if you go and have a look at a garden centre, um, yeah. you know, get, get there early before the, the whole thing blows away, you might be able to um, find one. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a bleeper weather. But you might be able to find one now which you can just nurture into growth. So if you've got a conservatory or uh, somewhere you can just put it into just to, to start it into growth and pot it up. Yeah, and no, I think, I, think I, shall, I think I shall have to have a bit of patience and wait. That's yeah, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be for sale part. later on, yeah. That, Graham, so there's no problem. Yeah. Graham, gardening is a lot about patience, isn't Indeed, it? Indeed, yes. yes. And having that tested from time to time. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right then, Graham, yeah, and let yeah, us know yeah, how you get on with it. And let us know how you get on, because we always like talk, you know, people to come back to us and yeah. explain what and how they got on. Uh, we're going to Eileen in Canvey in just a moment, but the Armchair Gardener's been at it again. Now, the Armchair Gardener, our comical uh, section of the programme. No, I don't know whether you got it quite right this week, Chris, because I recently bought some roses. They looked very nice, but there weren't any purple ones in there. Uh, wah, 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 wah. Exactly. <laughs> Shall we move swiftly on to Eileen from Canvey? Hello, Eileen, and thank you for that, Chris. Good morning. Um, I've got a, a problem from last year. I've got an enormous mophead, a mauve and white hydrangea. Yep. Last year it was, and I've never seen it so bad, covered in scale. Mm. And we we used a couple of bottles on it. And it, it killed everything, but we can't get the white dust off. So what do we? Mm, think muscle we do? scale. It's, it's the, the scale. It's the yeah. old scales, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, they're, 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 it's obviously all dead. It's all powdery. Does it matter? Does not it matter? No. No, I don't reckon oh. it's dead. I bet there's more there. Yes. Now you're not going to like <laughs> what I'm going to say. Now he's not going to cheer you up at all. I'm not going to lose it. No. no, 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 no. No, well, well, so I'm going to say yes and no in the sense that if you cut it right back down to the ground and yeah. burn those um, old branches, you won't get right. any flower. Yeah. But you won't get any flowers. It'll come up really strong from the base, and you'll have a really nice strong plant. And next year you'll have it back to normal. But you can treat it as well. You can put if you see any scale appearing, you can um, spray them this year and preventatively spray it if needs be. Um, and then hopefully the problem will... Um, uh, or you will, could will, send it to the council. If you can't burn in your area, you could send it to the council no, in the no, green bin. I shouldn't think so. No. no. Oh, I, 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 the alternative, it, Mick, is something that I've done in the past. If you want to keep sunflower, is you literally mm. take half of the stems down to the mm, ground mm. and leave half up. But it does but they mean that they're going to spread yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're going to have a problem all the time. I, with thought, it. I, mean, I thought by being powdery, it was all dead. 
No, what, no. What, what, when, see, the no, thing with scale is a peculiar thing. You don't see them when they're feeding actively. They're, they're very tiny, and that's what's causing all the damage. And then the females, when they lay an egg, they grow this big protective shell over them, lay oh. the eggs, and then die. And so you've got an egg mass under the scale. So what you think is the scale insect is actually the old female who's... Uh, that's, that's her, she's finished. But her eggs are progeny's there waiting for the next year. And they're kind of like, you know, it's like in a oh, nuclear yes. shelter. We've but even it, scrubbed it down with hard broom. Well, Don't you won't. It. Yes, but with a hydrangea, you look at the base of a hydrangea. You can't get right down mm. into the crown of the plant, and that is where they'll be mm. down in that mm. crown. Oh, um, see. But you haven't killed it. I mean, it's worth doing what Mick says. Okay, you lose flower for a year, but mm. you've got your plant. Okay. So I've got to cut it down. Cut it down to about that four or five inches. Six inches. Yeah, just, six it, inches. It'll, it'll mostly shoot from the base below where you've cut it. Okay. Now, I've done this oh. to re- re- honestly. I've done this to renovate their hydrangeas and before. And I would and I spray yeah. preventative spray. Yeah. yeah. Come the end of this month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You oh, don't sound very cheerful, Eileen. Yeah. We haven't cheered you up in Canvey, have we? <laughs> we haven't cheered you up at all, have we? No, we, try, have we try to please, but we have to give the right answer. <laughs> OK, thanks anyway. OK, Eileen. Thank you, thank you very much thank indeed. You. Now, I'm going to go to an email. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 or 41. That's the number to call. Or start your message on 81333 with Essex and we'll deal with those as well. Now, I'm just going to show Mick this. It is a beginia, which has been chewed nicely round the edges. Lovely picture of a beginia. Super picture. Thank you very much for sending them in. Your pictures are really good because it does help us to Mm. understand what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. it's been beautifully eaten. I like the way beautifully eaten. Yes. It's like pinking shears a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the old vine weevil, the adults there. They, they tend to what's called notching. So you get an irregular series of rounded indentations in the edge and of what the what uh, Linda the is saying, of course, yeah. the first thing you do with damage is you look under the leaf for what might be there, don't you? Yeah, you may be lucky to no, see it. It might be way on from lunch, but it, usually they just go and digest it, hang around at the base of the plant. And they're, they're often more active at night anyway. We, people say, well, I've not seen a vine weevil. And you think, go out at night, you'll That's see them. You'll yeah. see. So is there much she can do in the garden? It's quite difficult to eradicate. You've got... Yep. Um, the nematode, nematodes. Could, now the thing with the nematodes, you have early. to put them in in August. You have to put them down in August, and it's can for you pots. put them in the spring if they're if we're in? No, pots, hang on, it's if, the wrong cycle, isn't it? Yeah, you have to put them up for outdoor plants. It's August, uh, and in pots, the, the soil has to be warm enough. They have actually improved them, so they operate at slightly yeah. lower temperatures now. But uh, it's, it's, is it? Sternemia, uh, I can't remember the type of um, nematodes it is. Yes, but it's a nematode. But this, this then goes and attacks the uh, vine with it's Organic and natural? Well, yeah, tried and uh, tested technology, but it's a bit temperature-related. You have to put quite a bit down uh, to get down into the, uh, the roots. You think about it, if you water a pot and you put down, um, say, for instance, a gallon, you know, a gallon of uh, water, and it goes fills a whole pot, just runs out the bottom. You think, well, you've got to do that that many times over on your garden. So it's not actually very cheap to do. It's a problem. Vine weevil is a problem if you're on, especially on acidic ground, which stays, pardon me, stays a little bit moist. So yeah, uh, you can try the nematodes. The, 
Normally they're a wettable powder, a wettable sponge. You buy them because most garden magazines will have a, an advert at the back. Yep. Where you, or you go in and buy a little, you buy a little card in the garden centre, which they sell you that card, and then you have to send off to, to get them through the post. So they come That's, through the post, yeah. and then you, the sponges are great because you put the sponge in the watering can, uh, mix it up, and water it on, and Done. all these little nematodes are off there. However, look out, go out at night with a torch and look for adults. They're yeah. like a, a greyish sort of beetle. A beetle with a long black, a black, yes, with a long black snout. Nose. And we're about, probably about, I would say, half to three quarters of an inch long. And they just tread, tread on them. Yeah, we'll make tread a them. very satisfying crunch. Back shortly to your calls, texts and emails, but let's take a final look at the top tips that Mick has for us this week. Well, well, this time of the year, it's got a bad time for propagation. We also, we're thinking, got to sow seeds. And of course, it's a great time of year for sowing seeds and very rewarding. But you can also get some of those favourite plants out of the garden, uh, lift them up, nick a few roots off them and get some more plants on that oh, way. Like root cutting. Root cuttings, yeah, yeah. And what you do with root cuttings, and you take them off the plant, because this is a notoriously uh, difficult thing to do, you cut the root off. A nice fat root, so something which is uh, uh, as thick as possible from the plant, but not woody, so nice and soft. Cut it flat at the top and put a point to the, the, the bit that was going down into the ground. So then you'll know which way to put them up because if you put them in upside down, they won't grow. Um, but the, you can do things like, say, for instance, um, phlox, uh, verbascum, uh, acanthus. There, uh, there are a number of uh, things which uh, you can uh, do this. Uh, papaver is another one, which I'm just struggling to think of. But, but you know, when I say papaver, I mean the, old, like, the, the big um, orientalis. Yes, ones they the big, look big good, flowers. don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just tuck them in... Into a container or a pot, would you? Or? Depending on how thick. Things like flocks, you lie them down on the surface of a box of compost. You don't cover take. them, but put some polythene over them or something like that. And, and, Just to um, keep the moisture in. Yeah, you'll see they start to get a little bit hairy and they start to uh, produce a, a shoot uh, at the top. And at that time, you then insert them into some compost or uh, a, a loamy soil if you've got it outside. Uh, it's the same with them, um, with all of them, really. I mean, some of the things, like, say, for instance, I didn't mention euphorbia, but some of the others. They're actually better uh, put into the, um, the, the upright position straight away uh, to grow. But I mean, it's um, they're easy to do. It's just really a case of uh, doing uh, it, trying to yeah, have on, a go. Have it a won't, go. won't hurt the plant. You just lift it. You can divide the plant at the same time because lifting and dividing is a thing for this time of the year. So it all fits in with this time of the year's maintenance. What else you got for us, Emmy? Well, the last thing I'm thinking about glass houses and early flowers. I mean, uh, it, um, this time of the year, people often overwintered things that you know prized plants from last year. So you might be got the odd fuchsia or pelargonium, which you've been keeping on the dry side. They normally tell you they want to grow by about February because they start to produce uh, buds and things like that. Trim them up, start to water them. Take cuttings off them in the next few weeks, you know, and you'll have uh, all your uh, prized plants back again. The, the real favourite among us is dahlias, because ah. a special place in my heart. It's the first plant I was ever taught to propagate by an old uncle of mine. So this time of the year, if you've got a nice dahlia variety, something which you think, oh, you know, I, I really liked that last year, if you've labelled it as such, which would make sense, rather than just chucking them all in a box <laughs> together... Um, just get them going. You can normally get them going by just keeping them in something like uh, some loose uh, leaf mould or a bit of uh, compost or something yeah. like that. And um, that will uh, start to get them till they just start to show a little bud. You'll just see the bud starting to appear. At that point, you can divide them up. And what you do is you cut through so you've got one bit of the tuber, one bit of the root tuber with one bud. Uh, per so you've got to look out carefully for the bud. Yeah, you, you, no point putting a root tube down without the bud because you need the bit of stem on there to do this. Um, but it's quite easy to do. Just get yourself a nice old sharp um, old bread knife or something like that, which will go through readily or uh, you need a pair of secateurs. It's quite, quite woody in the middle. 
Uh, use of dust number sulfur is probably not necessary, but if you can, if you want to put a fungicide on, you can do it just at that stage, just to protect the wound. And you put them um, under um, uh, under polythene with a bit of compost around them, or even on on sand, and um, basically they'll, uh, they'll they'll start to grow, and you can pop them up, and you'll have more than you were uh, bargained for next year. Now it's funny you say that because it, it, how all these things come back to you, the things that you were taught mm. very early on in the industry, and one of my things in the, in in being an apprentice gardener was actually days. <laughs> Um, up in the greenhouses up in Hampstead. We used to have a nursery mm. in Hampstead uh, for the London parks. And we used to lay the dahlia tubers on sand, oh, on, right, a, yes, on yeah. a hotbed, yeah? yeah, so a bit yeah. of warmth underneath, soil cables underneath, on sand. And as they shot, we would take cuttings of these little shoots, which are the same shoots that you're talking about, yeah. being cut into divides. Yeah, I mean, it's the ironic, same principle, it's isn't ironic it? thing, isn't it? If you get a bit of the root, it won't grow a shoot, but if you get a bit of the shoot, it will grow new roots it's and new funny, tubers. Yeah, but, but yeah, basal cuttings are a thing you can do this time of year. In fact, there's so many good things to do in the garden at the moment. You know, I mean, you've just got to get out there and get gardening, haven't you? Promise to talk to Vera from Halstead. Orchids, is that right, Vera? Yes, thank you, Ken. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Um, it's just that I bought, I've got a lot of orchids, had them for years, but this one was bought last summer, I think, from a garden centre, and I brought this disease in because I had to treat it. But I water them all in the same pot, when, you know, you put them in a bowl, and yeah. you, you water from the top and you take them. I think I've passed it on to yeah. others. Is it a, what you mean, a leaf, is it a leaf spot disease, a little patch on no, the walls? No, it's little white things. What, on the stems? Where they go in the flowers, they look like a lot of cotton wool when they. Ah, oh. mealybug, mealybug, mealybug. Yeah, is that what it is? Yep. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry, when you said you pass this disease, there is um, a sort of leaf spot. There was various leaf yes, spot diseases which affect well, orchids. No, the leaves- Look quite no, good. No, no fine. Right. You you Easy, can move e- mealybug. It's easier than what I thought it was. <laughs> mealybug, mealy, right? Mealybug's a pest. Yeah. You haven't got a disease. That's good things. Oh, <laughs> all right. But we've got to get rid of mealybug and. Indoor sprays, you know, yeah, to use. sprays. I know that um, I've had to tell people off in the past and tell them certainly not to use methylated spirits and uh, and a cotton wool bud because it's effective at killing them. But um, as a professional horticulturist, I'm not allowed to recommend no. that. So even though rumor has it, it does work. But <laughs> yes, yeah. it's not <laughs> ideal. Um, there are indoor sprays for yeah. pests, mm. and that's what you've got to use. And I would treat them all quite honestly. Yeah. You can't Don't, give me a name of one. Uh, no, the other thing is, really, some of them are formulated in terms of the concentration and all the uh, the adjuvants they put in there. For well, uh, you could uh, that's for outdoors, really. Yeah. That one, yeah, you need an indoor you could, one. You could use Provado, but you'd have to use it outdoors. Yeah. So you'd have to yeah, take the orchid. Do that, yeah. 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 Take that, them out in the summer out. and give them a spray with that. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, so, but I mean, um, you you can um, go to if you contact a specialist orchid grower and ask them what product they recommend. They would have uh, things in mind which are ideal for orchids as well. I so would recommend or anything. Um, no, use that. Well, use that. Use that one you've yeah. mentioned. That would yeah, work, okay. yeah, but yeah, do it yeah. out of doors because it's right. not for using indoors at all. No. Hmm. no, okay, right. All right. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Not That's a problem. okay. That's Vera. We go to Patricia. Um, hello there. Hello. You're in um, Coggleshaw, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I'm from Coggleshaw. Yes, I need. I wanted to know. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Um, because it's, um, I've had different people tell me different things. I've got some beautiful um, Augustifolia Hitchcock. 
yep. lavender in Lavenders, my garden. Yep. Okay. And it was absolutely beautiful last year. It's about three years old now. It's sort of starting to get not really woody, but a little bit woody. Mm. And um, I, I don't know... I don't want to damage it, because I do know that with lavender, you mustn't cut it down at the, the bottom. No. But I wanted to know how far down I could trim my lavender without um, doing right. it any harm. Well, you have to do it preferably after flowering. Mm. That's the best time, and really only just into the wood that is leafing. Yeah, you've got, you got to just trim it. The, the thing with lavender, um, it, you must have been told this already, they only live about five or six years at best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might get them older than that, but they, they really show their age. Okay, so, They become untidy. Yeah, and so the best thing I could recommend for you would be to... You say you've got Munster, did you say you had? Mm, I've with, got Ang- Angustifolia, Hidcot. Hidcot, sorry. Oh, Hidcot, Hidcot, yeah. sorry yeah. Um, you can buy that as a seed. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you sow a tray of a seed... Uh, around about um, April, May time, but buy something. You can buy from a garden centre or one of the, uh, the sheds. And there was all sorts of uh, you know, the big, the big retail uh, DIY shed places. Buy a packet of seed. Costs you, what, £3 if you go to one of the expensive brands. 99p if you go to the right sort of shop. You can buy the seed. Sow it. It comes up like mustard and cress if you sow it at the right time of the year. So it's, it needs crying. to be around about um, like April, May time. And then just prick those out into um, small pots, grow them on, pot them on in the uh, the autumn, and then next spring, hoik out all your old lavender, put some new yeah, ones in. With new the, new ones but the answer, on, yeah. the answer to your question mm. is no. You can't cut back into no, hard. Because I did cut it after it finished flowering. Mm. That's all you have um, to do. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that's what I normally do. So I, I've been doing the right thing there. You've been doing I? the right yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, was, just, they just get old. Yeah, it's just was, those things. Was there another question you had, Patricia? Yes, I did. Um, I've got um, scabiosa. Mm-hmm. No, that was beautiful. I've had that for a couple of three years as well. Um, and it's spread out, and it really is a beautiful plant because it just flowers and flowers and mm-hmm. flowers. Um, and um, I'm wondering if I could cut that down. How far can I cut that down? I would uh, just only just to shape, not dramatically. Sca- scabios, yeah, is it, yeah. I mean, um, normally it grows from the base. So, yes. Yeah. What would if you've got old growth on it now? Which Take is, that uh, out. Take it out and let it grow from the base. Right. Okay. 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 We're talking about the, the big flowered scabios, so I can't remember. It's like the, um, I Has it got a big flower? Um, it's not. No, it's not. A, not a big flower. It's um, just a, like a cushion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so yes, one of the smaller flower ones. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, you, you should be able to uh, run about the end of the month, cut down all the old top growth, and let it grow from the base. Just, okay. Just, Okay, thank you very much indeed. That's no a problem. pleasure. That's Patricia from Coggleshaw. We go over to Epping now to talk to Brian. Brian, what have you got for us today? Oh, morning, gentlemen. Morning. Um, right, I want to make a, a raised bed of a nine-foot triangle for an outdoor succulent area. Yeah. And what I've done, because it's a raised bed, what I've done, I've built that, I've took out some of the earth, Yeah. and then I've chucked in a load of ballast, which I had um, laying around, to build, fill it up a bit. Then I've put in the soil that I had. I've, I've mixed up a load of wood chippings and um, built that up again. But Hang on, were the, were the wood, a, were the wood chippings fresh? Wood chippings? No, they were. It's been sort of lying around. Composting. For quite a while. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Continue, sir. Yeah. 
and now I want to know to put about a two or three inch, well, sharp sand mix. I've been online, but it gets a bit confusing of what all the, you know, two, one, one and all this. It's a sharp sand, John in his number three, and then cat litter. I don't know what your recommendation is. I use grit. The top. Yeah, well, the, the, I mean... It depends what you're hoping to grow. Certainly at Wisley, they have what they call sand beds, which are almost pure sand, and they grow cacti out there, which need perfect drainage. Is that what you're trying to do? I want to make, uh, yeah, a sort of a cacti succulent area there. I, I might be what, sort with of... Ag- a, agave and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I might be sort of uh, erring towards less on the John Innes and things like that, more on the sort of sharp sand... And grit. Uh, uh, grit. You could mix a little bit of organic matter in there as well, so, but something like leaf mould or something like that, if, you could, if you've got it, or... Um, any sort of uh, fine compost which you can riddle through to get really fine and and I would really be sort of looking at um three to one of that with the um with the sharp sand or and grit. And grit in the um because you in really fact, want perfect could, drainage for succulents. You could do a third sharp sand, third grit, couldn't yeah, you? And yeah. then a third of a fine yeah. you want a pe- oh, oh, dare I say it. An organic material. Yeah, yeah. But you'd have to get a if you took a potting, I'd say a potting compost from a garden centre, yeah. you'd have to rub it through a sieve, wouldn't you, to yeah, get that's it so fine? Yeah, riddle it, yeah, to make sure that you haven't got any uh, big lumps in there. But that's what I yeah. would recommend to, to grow it through, yeah. And then Overnight, we'll get some clear the, stuff. The, 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 the layer on the top would be um, just the sort of um, a dressing layer. So you just have something like um, horticultural grit or something like that. Yeah, well, the, this is in a nine-foot triangle, so it's a fair bit I've got to <laughs> buy. But, but if you're yeah, going to grow it, you've got to do it right, because yeah, if yeah. not, it won't work yeah. for you. Yeah, but I, mean, I wouldn't... So, I mean, lots of different layers of different things on there, because what will happen otherwise is the, the roots will get confused and move down to... You need a nice deep root run, perfect drainage, and it should be OK. I'm going to go to garlic now with Marion in Ilford. What would you like to know about garlic? Marion? Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. My friend is um, bringing on behalf of my friend who lives in Clay Hall. She had a few little garlic bulbs in her lawn. Anyway, a couple of years ago, we had a, she had a new lawn laid, but these garlic bulbs have come up everywhere, yep. and we wondered what we could have do. They got a long thin, have they got a long, thin leaf? Long, thin long, leaf? Long, thin, pale green leaf? Yes. Yeah, it's Allium triquertum. Very tiny. Wild and garlic. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a native <sighs> plant. It's not the native no. wild garlic. It's a... I think we might call it on there a blinking nuisance. It is, because you can't get rid of it easily, can you? No, it's really difficult to get rid of. I feel a bit responsible because the person that we thought, is it to do with the the lawn that she had laid or... But no, it shouldn't with, no. everywhere. With, with the lawn, it shouldn't be a problem because it won't take a lot of mowing, but um, it's in the borders it'll be a problem. You've just got to keep on trying to dig it up. It's difficult. It's a oh. difficult, smelly weed, unfortunately. Nothing Sorry, you can mother. use to put on there. Or, uh, no. Yeah. Well, con- not on the lawn. Con- constant no. pressure. <laughs> you can't put anything on the lawn no. to get rid of it other than constant cutting. Yeah. Oh, Does, right. Okay, if, it, if it's in the borders, yes. you could carefully use one of the weed killer wipes. There's yeah, a sponge yeah, wipe, yeah. a glyphosate wipe yeah. that you could wipe onto the bulb leaves. But be very right. careful doing that in your borders. Okay, then. Well, thank you very much. That's right. a pleasure. And last call of the day, we're going to... Valerie in West Mersey. Hello, Valerie. Hello. 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 Um, I moved into the house, this house um, last year, and um, there was two apple trees, and they fruited beautifully, but every one of them had a black um, scab in them. 
But it, on the uh, to what what round near where the flower was at the bottom of the fruit. No, room. no, the actual fruit. Yeah. Was lovely, and but the black. It looked like a maggot, but when I cut my, I never once found the maggot, but it was all horrible inside. So hang on, the inside, did it have brownie black specks all over the outside of the apple? Yeah. Uh, ah, it, it, might only have, it might only have had one on every apple or two at the most. So it's not bitter, but it could be scab. Scab, apple scab, it sounds yeah. like. So I, I don't know when I'm supposed to spray or what I'm supposed to spray with. There isn't really a lot you can do, unfortunately. The best thing is just try and keep good care of the tree, try and keep the tree in good health. It's all actually about cleanliness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Clear up mm. the leaf, clear up the old apples and, and see that you actually get them well away from your garden. Don't put them on a compost heap and that's all I'm afraid you can do because there's nothing on the market to help there us anymore. No, no. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, you have a gardening question for us? Join us next Saturday at 11 o'clock and give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme.